Chapter 7 I don't know who you thought you woke up to, but if a nigga don't work, he don't eat. I ain't your mama, and I damn sure ain't your daddy. The only reason I'm here is to make sure your ass don't die. That's it. It's that simple. These are the typical words that Asani would begin hearing from Bowers. Who is this person and why is he trying to be this sort of wicked slave master? Five, the sinister being responsible for Bowers' mental abuse has been misusing the power and knowledge that he has collected through his ability to travel from one time period to another. While the perimeter was off limits to some, five certainly learned its mystery while serving his master on Jito. And though he now serves a new master in this present day, he is able to move about a little more freely while having a newfound slave of his own. While Five was scouting for remaining fragments of the Yasue, an accident occurred, and he made a huge miscalculation in his time jump from the perimeter, and he discovers an error on this earth where blacks were transported from a home continent of what was called Africa and sold to a place in the Americas. This miscalculation in his travel triggered a temporal distortion field, which caused a stubby little Five to experience diminishing glimpses of a race, a race that he knew had once ruled the earth. Five was amazed, astonished, pleased, and empowered as he noticed how this people's displacement had triggered a downward spiral, and the spiral would lay the foundation for separation, and Five would use every nuance of information to his advantage to first free himself from his master, Onjito. Second, he would use this fragmented knowledge of slavery and the civil rights era as the advantage that he needed to prevent the heir of the earth from returning to power. Five has now found a way to wickedly streamline the purest and negative thoughts of all blacks into Bauer's mind by casting one of his most powerful spells. By harnessing the power of the perimeter and understanding his initial mistake in time travel, Five was able to create a portal to the place where Bowers and Asani had been hidden since the second departure. How does one travel to a destination without knowing the exact location? This was the mystery of the perimeter. Meanwhile, Asani scurries off in his own necessary moments of pleasure and curiosity, but Bowers catches him daydreaming and slaps him on the back of his neck. Don't you be turning your back on me, boy. Bowers wants to control Asani at all costs. Bowers is a tyrant, a dictator. It's my way, you idiot, or no way at all. It's all about food, clothing, and shelter. Asani quickly understands this. He has to use a lot of energy to pump what really isn't the cleanest of water in order to quench his thirst. Asani's throat is anything but moist, causing his breath not to smell that great. After all, he is human. It's hot as hell out there. His neck is sweating. His veins are pulsating in his forearms. 
and his eyes are burning with irritation. Bowers instinctively decides to stroll over to Asani in this anguished state. He's so quiet and so on edge that it doesn't even seem to bother Bowers. But then Bowers looks at Asani with a moment of intense sympathy and regret as if he himself had done something wrong. And these duplicitous feelings create some inner conflict. It's as if something is not right with Bowers. All of a sudden and on cue, a quick shock jolts up Bowers' spine, immobilizing him long enough to hear the bidding of five, the being who is actually responsible for tampering with their chambers. The spell that five had put over Bowers allows thoughts to go from him to the other. The shocks to the brain are so effective that it makes Bowers obey five's instructions. And Asani, of course, does not know the difference. But five's search is nowhere from being over. However, others do know that he has come closer than anyone in knowing where Bowers and Asani have been. A lot of patience has finally paid off. Ain't nobody telling you to keep your ass in that little special bed for all this long time. Feeding you like you some patient in a hospital. So now, take your ass outside and figure out how to give your body what it needs. Go ahead. Bye. Asani can really start with a good bath. But he's still hungry. So he wanders outside and tries eating raw, dark, life-filled dirt. A pinkish worm finds its way to the top before he puts the handful into his mouth. He immediately chokes and spits it out. Bowers laughs. (laughs) Tastes good, doesn't it? I bet you won't put that dirt in your mouth again. That's what the cables are for, stupid. It filters all the trash out. And he was right. The vast network of cables that ran beneath the house and into the ground filtered everything and turned it into recognizable food. There's about a 10 to 20% margin of error, but Bowers really cannot cook anyway, so it really doesn't matter. But Asani's senses, especially his sense of taste, are beginning to yearn for more. Even while his body is in this perpetual state of discovery, it's very much confusing as well. It is like knowing what you want and not knowing where to get it. And then that conflicting duality of Bowers' personality acts up. And he says to Asani, boy, you need to get your ass in that house. You don't need to be hanging outside. Asani continues to stare out into the vast openness. About 75 feet in front of him, he sees something obscure on the ground, but he can't make it out. And then Bowers comes towards him. Then Bowers, who stands five inches taller, looks at Asani. What I just say? Then he grabs his arm. I said, bring your ass inside the house right now. You hear me, boy? Asani is so confused by Bowers. Who is this person? And why does he call me nothing other than my name? Who am I? 
What am I supposed to be responding to? Poor Asani. Even he sees the difference in Bauer's behavior. And while sorting through this frustration, he's being told very specific things by Bowers. Hey boy, look at me. You gotta trust me. I'm all you got. You hear me? If I do or say something to offend you, you're just gonna have to get over it. I'm under a lot of stress. And this stress is the work of one who has been watching, looking, trying to find an advantage to score the biggest win of the entire universe in any isolated case of taking power. Time has no relevance, bearing, or significance at any given moment in time. There will be a winner. And that means that there also has to be someone else who loses.